Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Geek Rant, episode 341, Filling Time, recorded October 21st, 2018, and brought to you by Element OP Productions, elementsopie.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Drive Time Radio for Geeks. I'm your host, Mark, the Sultan of the Soapbox Cockerel, and joining me this week, as always, are your two stalwart co-hosts, Seth, the Gooey Kid Anderson, and Miles, the Air Wakeham. Hello, gentlemen. Howdy, Mark, and welcome, faithful opiates. We're glad you're here. G'day, geeks. Word to your digital mother. Um, <laughs> uh, before we go too much farther on, uh, I just wanted to say um, that Daredevil Season 3 on Netflix came, was released on Friday. I watched three episodes of it yesterday, and I'm happy to say it is an absolute return to form for season one where the writing was solid the fighting was outstanding um and the the plot was was basic cop warrior drama where one of the guys happened to be a super fighting guy season two came along and it was all supernatural the hand and resurrecting dead bodies and just got super weird and then you know when a new season comes out they do a recap the recap had nothing from season two except for the very final scene they just they're just pretending it doesn't exist and i'm totally okay with that um so yeah daredevil season three is back and it's uh, again i'm only three episodes in but it is really solid i'm i'm super happy with those three episodes you know they killed uh luke cage i don't know if you've heard that it's been canceled they killed power man uh iron fist uh i'm yeah the luke cage is power man they killed iron fist um, and I, I assume that means defenders is dead too. So that whole line of the hand supernatural stuff is now been erased from Canon. So I'm, I'm super excited about that. You know, I wonder, it would make a lot of sense. Like if they kind of morphed everything into one show called the defenders and dropped everything else, just so that way they can do these little mini arcs you know or something to me that would be really cool yeah i think we've hit the uh the wall when it comes to superhero media though because i heard this week they're going to do a show about batman's butler albert alfred is that alfred oh geez sorry so not an american i'm gonna get flamed by the comic book people now (laughs) yeah well they're gonna do a show about his butler why not? Hey, well, have y'all seen the trailer for Aquaman? Oh my gosh, it looks awesome. I, I am, I'm assuming that uh, I don't need to see the movie now because I've seen the trailer and that's all the best parts. Probably. Um, but yeah, the, the trailer looked phenomenal. And um, I wish anyway. they had just passed on the whole golden green, at the uniform thing, but no, they had to get that in there. Hopefully it was just a quick homage and he'll never, we'll never see that again. Uh, yeah i can you know it's it's sort of like the the purple and yellow uh in luke cage when he walked by and saw the hanging on the line you had to put that in there for the hardcore power man fans all right uh so that's all i have to say about that seth i don't know i i I think i remember this name adventures of pluto nash that sounds vaguely familiar Eddie Murphy movie, um, I, I IMDb did, uh, it came out in 2003, 
first time I saw it today and it's okay. You know, it's not, I'm glad I didn't watch it in the theaters. Um, it was actually a YouTube movie and it had some weird name. I was just like, what was this? And I was like, wait a minute, that's Eddie Murphy. I was like, oh yeah, this is that Pluto Nash movie. And it was okay. I understand why it didn't do well at the box office, but if you got it on, on a Saturday when you're going and coming and stuff, you're like, oh, okay, it's not bad, but it's not great. It's just not bad. So. Um, and I, uh, um, also saw this weekend, uh, Paddington two. Um, we're supposed to just obviously not notice that the entire family is different. The names are all the same, but all the actors are different, different. Um, and that we went from being Nicole Kidman to some random brown headed lady playing the same character. But other than that, it was a fine movie to have on while I was doing something else. My 10 year old right. loved it. And, uh, I, I looked up from time to time and chuckled. So there you go. And, and, uh, Miles is concerned with his taxes, apparently. Yeah. Well, it's the, what is today? As we're recording this today, I believe it is October the 21st. It is indeed. And if you're a U.S. Uh, tax filer, the October 15th is the final, 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 final extension of a deadline filed personal taxes in the United States. And of course, I took advantage of that. So you've when been, uh, I, you've been extending for six months, yeah, it's it's a thing I do. <laughs> My accountant is so used to it; I think he likes it because it spreads the workload around for him. But the only reason I thought this was noteworthy was that this year I had to file a lot of Bitcoin transactions in my tax return, and um, if you're if you're a Bitcoiner or you've been selling Bitcoin or buying Bitcoin or altcoining or whatever you do, and you're creating taxable transactions, um, a word of warning, your accountant is poorly um, set up to be able to help you. And uh, what ended up happening was I thought, you know, they just sort of bundle up all the gains and the losses and work out, you know, what it is and you file it. Apparently not. My accountant had to go through every single individual itemized Bitcoin transaction one at a time, work out when the thing was bought, how much it was sold for. It was a nightmare. And I tried to tell him, you know, you shouldn't have to do this. And he's telling me, the IRS are telling him that he has to do this. Meanwhile, I got a $2,000 accounting filing bill. Nice. So, <laughs> Yeah. So that's got why that look he did it. To people. <laughs> well, that's why he said, well, in his defense, when I looked at the return, yeah, everything's in there and itemized and it goes on page after page after page. And I'm thinking, man, if I was one of those day trader types that, you know, were buying and selling to try to get some sort of money in the transaction somewhere, this guy would be filing war, war and peace. Um, anyway, just a word of warning for any Bitcoiners or you know, crypto coiners out there. Um, it's, uh, it's nasty. So I, I was mining last year. And so, you know, of course that comes in daily and I, it ended up just being a couple of times a month. It would actually hit my Coinbase and Coinbase has this spreadsheet. Basically they do for you. And, uh, so it put it out there and, you know, like I say, I ended up this year, I owed $7 all thanks to Bitcoin, but, um, so yeah, it was, it was a little thing, but I didn't do like one line entry for each thing. It was just, that was just one of the entries on my, uh, you know, Bitcoin. So total and 
So yeah. I had uh, um, heard a conversation. I, I, I wasn't part of it. I don't even remember the context of it, but I heard somebody complaining about how the altcoins, uh, specifically Bitcoin, have gone stagnant and how they're no longer a good investment. And I thought, that's what you want in a coin. You know, it, currency shouldn't be a volatile investment. And Bitcoin has been around the 6,000 mark uh, with minor fluctuations for months now. Yeah, about and, three months. Yeah, and that's what you want in a currency. That's a good thing, not a bad thing. Stop complaining about a good thing. Yeah, I agree. Ever- I mean, you know, I think that we're, I don't know, it's, maybe it's just been a weird week because I didn't want to be dealing with all this money stuff this week. I've got enough to do. But um, the one thing I did find stumbling around on YouTube was that there was some, uh, I don't know, some sort of big global event in that a lot of countries, I, call, I guess they call them BRIC countries. Is it Brazil, Russia, India, China? Um, they're all uh, selling their U.S. debt uh, big time, like massively, apparently Japan as well. And um, as a result, they're trying – they've tried this before, but there's a big initiative going on right now that they're trying to get out of the U.S. dollar being the world currency. They're trying to find alternative currencies for this sort of thing. Um, which is not good if you're in the US. But at the same time, I kind of think maybe it's a good thing for Bitcoin. I don't know. We will see whether it's a good or bad thing. Uh, yeah, and all, all the Bitcoin people are just mad they didn't sell at 20000 That's That's really the only reason they're complaining about altcoins is because it's like, dadgummit, I didn't sell it when it was at twenty. So they're just I, grumbling. I'm sure mad I didn't sell at 20000 <laughs> <laughs> You could count me on that list. Um, Seth, you, you are still experimenting with the coffee, uh, and, and what, what are you finding out? Well, I took some to work. Well, I gave some to my dad on Thursday, and he liked it. And I took it to work, and everybody at work actually liked it. And I said, would you pay Starbucks prices for this? And everybody who pays Starbucks prices, they said yes. So, you know... I just I don't know really how to market it, but and I so I serve it to everybody cold. So just um, well, like one or two people, we they use the Keurig, but most people it was just room temperature sludge that Deep Ellum calls water and the coffee. So if I'd use like if I'd brought some good Fruitvale water from home, it would have been even better. But they thought it was good, so. All right. Good luck with that, because uh, yeah. I, I need you to succeed, because uh, I can uh, benefit from the royalties on that. Yep. I just got to, like I say, I don't know how to, I just, I don't know how to market it, you know, or what to do, but people seem to like it. So, yay, people. Um, I need to run out uh, after this show and buy a couple of lottery tickets uh, so just so you know, if you hear that the uh, one point whatever billion dollar lottery was won by someone in northern Georgia and I don't show up for next week's podcast, I will allow you to put those two things together. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and yeah, me and my brother, uh, he gave me five dollars and I put in five. So I'm going to go buy five tickets on the way home. So, yep, if, if you call me and I'm not here. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the, if if I won that kind of money. The first person I would tell, I wouldn't even tell my wife. The first person I would tell would be my lawyer. The second person I'd tell would be my financial expert. Then I would tell my wife. Um, because at that point, you win a billion dollars, you come into a billion dollars, win it however you get it. You are no longer safe in your own home. Your kids are not safe in their school anymore. Things change. 
Yep. Well, you trust your lawyer and your financial advisor that much, huh? I do. <laughs> I, I have two people uh, who, with whom I would literally trust my life. Um, so, yes, it's that's important that, to be able to trust these people. <laughs> so, um, here's here's uh, we don't really have a topic. We don't have news necessarily. It's just a, a discussion. Shocker. Sort of thing. Yeah. I know. Sorry. Um, and, and honestly, I came to this. Uh, I came to this show completely unprepared in any way. I did, I did open up and see that Seth had created a document. So that was that was the sum total of my uh, preparation for tonight's show. But Miles uh, was had made an observation, and it was something that I had been thinking about recently too. So we're going to talk about um, uh, the fact that tech is not popular, not sexy anymore, right? And so, Miles, I'll let you introduce that idea well i was mentioning to the gang here that um you know this i go to ces every year and the registration opened up a week or so ago and i re-registered and then one of the things they let you do with the ces is you can choose these different sort of tracks that you can follow so a lot of people go there and they just hit the exhibition halls which you know i'll do that um but you can also pay extra money and get in on all these industry tracks on new things that are going on. And each year there tends to be a theme. Uh, one year it was Internet of Things, the next year it's 5G, the next year it's biohacking or, or something like that. Um, and I saw a distinct lack of theme for the 2019 CES. So I kind of dug a little deeper and all of the topics – that appear to be there that you can register for were almost the identical same topics from the previous year, which were almost the identical same topics from the other uh, previous year prior. And I think that I started to realize that maybe we're in that hangover phase with tech and post internet and all the new, you know, anything from wearables to phones, mobile technologies and all that sort of thing. It kind of happens so fast and in such a compressed time period, like, you know, five, ten years, that now that it's not it, – I mean, tech is evolving, but it's evolving in areas which are not computer geek areas. It, it's, you know, robotics or it's um, – maybe, it, maybe it's medical technology or it's transportation, you know, or it's, uh, I don't know, autonomous vehicles, that sort of thing. This is stuff that doesn't happen in our yeah, spare bedrooms at home, you know, where normally you, it might be gaming technology, which is something that people get into, or it might be mobile, or it might be internet routers that are better or, or whatever. It's almost like we've hit the wall with all that sort of stuff, and now tech has kind of bled into everyday, normal, daily life, and because it's normal, it's not as newsworthy, maybe, um, so that, that was where I kind of came from. So I imagine this uh, same conversation being had about textiles in the 1860s. Um, you know, they, they had these big trade shows about uh, the, the new uh, um, looms and, and whatever. I'm, I'm making stuff up that I don't know anything about. Um, and, and the technology was moving really quickly during the Industrial Revolution. People were talking about steam engines and, the, and that sort of thing. And then eventually they just became kind of blah, you know. And today, um, you know, nobody really – I mean, there are fashion shows, but the fashion – the only way you get attention in the fashion world is to get more bizarre. 
you know, weirder. Um, you don't, you know, nobody really cares that there's an, another line of cotton t-shirts. Um, and I don't think that's a bad thing in much the same way that, uh, I was just saying that Bitcoin stabilizing is not a bad thing. I think that technology stabilizing, particularly mobile technology, personal technology stabilizing is not a bad thing. It just means it's, it's become woven into our own fabric. The only people that it's a, a bad thing for is, you know, Android Central and Engadget and and these guys who have to make a living off of writing 15 articles a day when there's just nothing to cover. You know, the, the latest phone is exactly like the last phone, except it's got an S after it. And and that's, that's when you re- resort to clickbait articles because there's no actual content. So, yeah, it's annoying in some ways. But I, I consider it overall a very good thing. Seth, what do you think? Well, I think it's a little different. I think we are reaping the benefits of the corporification of technology. You know, all the home run hitters say, hey, I bet I could hit a home run if somebody, some corporation buys them out so they don't have a competitor and they just tuck it away. And so all the dreamers, you know, are living large off of their startup things, whereas there's nobody's putting forth new ideas. The the iPhone, you know, 15S, the S now stands for sucker because you're going to rush out and overpay for it, whereas the people who are looking to do new things you know, why bother? Because corporations want to take your money now and pump up the stock prices so they can exercise their options and pay a lower tax rate on their income and make the balance sheet look good for next quarter. So the stock is good and they don't care what can technology do. The question has become, how can we ring every nickel out of that turn up that we can before we actually have to come up with a new one? That's my thoughts. Well, you know, it's interesting. I, we have a hackerspace near us in uh, Phoenix, and I've periodically popped my head in there and, you know, helped them out and donated some gear into the workshops and stuff like that. And it's they're, they're great. I, uh, they have, like, 3D laser cutting stuff that I could never afford or justify to have myself, and, you know, I learned how to use that sort of thing for projects. And I realise it's, you know, they're a maker movement, just like, you know, the old the old ways of the past and often i go down there and i get really motivated about what people are working on and you know some crazy ideas and they do some amazing things well they sent out a uh, email to the folks that go there um saying uh that there's this sort of split off group that you're welcome to join that uh, is a decentralized uh group like decentralized computing group and i thought yeah that's sort of stuff I'm into. I'm right up, it's right up my alley. I'll, I'll join. So I signed up for it. And then I realized uh, before, they're not meeting until November. So I wanted to find out about who the people are that are behind this. And I found a couple of the, the folks in there. And one of the guys, uh, he must be one of the original or uh, found, founders or a, a very important member of the Magic Leap project. And if you've ever come across this it's kind of like a it's like those um 3d glasses things well they're not 3d they're those uh uh, augmented reality headset glasses like the oculus that sort of thing but it's one project that um looks 
interesting. It was a, I guess it was a Kickstarter originally and it's now become this hot thing. They even have like conventions about it. People are writing software for this sort of stuff. It's, it, it looks impressive. And I looked at it and I thought this is kind of representing the best leap forward, pardon the pun, um, for 2018 when it comes to personal technology. And I looked at it and I thought, yeah, but I don't need it. It's not, it's not like a killer app. You know what I mean? It's like 4K televisions might be more of a killer app than this. Or a smartwatch might be or a mobile phone might be. But this is a pair of glasses that if you walked around wearing, people would think you look like a dork. You know, and you probably walk into a pole or trip over something. And I don't know. I just don't see the relevance, but I'm probably wrong because I haven't ever put one on my head before. Maybe if I did, I'd go, oh my gosh, I see the light and I'm, you know, all in on this whole augmented thing. But if that's the best that we got going forward right now, I'll pass. Well, you know, nobody ever sees the next great thing that's that's part of what makes it the next great thing is is nobody sees it nobody expects it um you know there were a lot of people betting on cell phones but not in the form that we have today right apple pretty much invented the form with the capacitive touchscreen the 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 rectangular slab of glass but even what we have today is so far beyond what apple unveiled in 2007 um and so in in the the phone itself while it was revolutionary it was the manufacturing of those phones that spawned a whole bunch of other stuff the fact that you can get uh, accelerometer chip, chip chips super cheap now that that created the quadcopter and the whole uh, drone thing so i think it's you know we're we're looking for the offshoot that's going to be the next best thing but really what we need to be looking for is the thing that's going to create the offshoots what is the the mother invention and I don't know that we can see that. I think we have uh, CES and, and uh, other shows like it uh, are sort of in the DNA. They were designed to help find those new things, but they have become really just uh, grandstands for a few big companies. Uh, and I don't know if anybody's actually looking for the, the paradigm shift but I don't know, by definition, can you even look for a paradigm shift? I don't know if, if that's even something we can do. I just babbled a lot there. Did any of that make any sense? So what you're saying, Mark, is that it's the technology isn't the problem. We don't. We need the next Steve Jobs to come and show us that we really need this thing that's been around that nobody knew we had. You know, Apple didn't invent the iPod. They you know, trademark the name iPod, but the music, the MP3 player was created by Digital Equipment Corporation and it floundered. You know, Microsoft saw the tablet OS, but it took Apple to do the iPad. Uh, so who is the visionary that says, no, look at this thing. This is it. We've just got to create the demand. So Maybe that's what we need is we don't have anybody telling us that I'm going to show you what you never knew you always needed. And you know, I think a lot of us hoped that, um, I just blanked on his name, the Tesla guy. Elon Musk. Oh. That Musk was going to be that guy, that he was going to lead us into the future. 
um, it doesn't. It certainly doesn't look at this point like he's that guy. We kind of hoped he would be, and he's had lots of uh, big failures and lots of big ideas. Uh, but I, I think you know who. You're right. Who is that guy? Who's the guy who's going to point us to the future and be enough of a, a jerk to make those who are responsible to him uh, uh, move in that direction, whether they want to or not? Well, I mean, Steve. They're, they're, sorry, go ahead. go ahead, Seth. I was going to say, Steve Jobs had one talent that Musk might not quite have at the same level, and that was timing. Jobs knew exactly what to build and when to release it so he could capture the attention of the masses at a time when they were looking for that thing. And I would say Musk knows how to disrupt the world and change it for the better. But he is, le- he is so far shooting into the future that it can take five years before his car or his solar panels on the roof or his boring project or his spaceship to Mars turns into an actual deliverable product. It's an idea and then it becomes a prototype and then it becomes an experiment and then it becomes eventually a product no one can afford and eventually it becomes a product. And that could take five, ten years, whereas Jobs would come right out of the gate and go, right, it's October, guess what? We're announcing this and everyone would just go and buy it. You, you know, Musk doesn't do that. Yeah, that that's, you know, so maybe what we have here is the seedbed that we don't recognize the crops that are coming because we were looking for corn and didn't recognize the strawberry plant. And somebody else comes along and says, hey, it's strawberries. Come eat them. And we're like, oh, my gosh, this is the best thing ever. So, yeah, it's, it's like I said, you know, maybe maybe the technology is there. And there's been the same guy at CES for the past five years trying to just get anybody to come by his booth and look at his widget. And nobody comes. But then there will be, you know, some get, you know, one person will have one too many drinks and turn down the wrong hall and end up there. And, you know, we'll read about another overnight success that was 10 years in the making well you know at, at that point that's not the tech you're in your theory the technology already exists uh, the problem is the media the the people whose job is to point us at the new thing are so busy chasing down the old thing or the new thing within a new the old thing in a new color uh that they're not even they're, they don't know what the new thing is when they see it and there is definitely that i mean the the we have an entire industry built on um, a certain template, right? And, and that template, we, we think of smartphones and, and things like that, but that template has gone, goes way, way back. You know, if you were an early PC magazine subscriber back in the day, the articles were exactly the same today. Breathless things about, uh, you know, uh, the new extra megahertz in the processor, uh, the, the extra kilobyte of Ram. Um, and, and that's what it was, that that's what everything was about the speeds and feeds it was all about the the geeky stuff and and it was a, a niche market and it worked um but i think today's consumer they care more about I, I just saw a google pixel 3 ad today actually a couple of times today um verizon is advertising the pixel 3 and uh the fake customer in the fake verizon store uh talks to the fake um producer uh, uh or um whatever host guy and says is the camera good and he says it's more than a camera it's google lens and then the next 30 seconds is about what google lens does 
didn't actually answer the question. Is the camera good on the Pixel 3? Apparently, Google or Verizon, whoever paid for that ad, I'm not sure, doesn't care. Um, and, and you know, the questions that people ask are, you know, in the, in the used to be when somebody said, is the camera good? And they'd say, yeah, it's 15 megapixels. Well, now megapixel has become just a, a meaningless word. It was always a meaningless word, but now we recognize that it's a meaningless word. And, and Google or Verizon, I don't, I don't know who's selling that, honestly, um, is, is talking more about the software and what it can do. And I, I think that's the interesting thing, that we, we no longer care about the specs, and yet there's this template of comparing specs and, and gushing about specs, that that's what the media um, has been trained, programmed uh, to, to work on. And, and so they're all looking at specs when the general customers don't care about that anymore. Maybe they never did. Well, and there's nothing new there to sell them on. Used to, when the new computers came out, it was faster and the software was written in such a way that it took advantage of the speed. But now, agile programming and flat companies and fire everybody and only hire people for this one project and turn your crap code in and we'll do our first round of beta testing in the wild so now you have to buy a computer that's 20 times faster to get a two percent boost in speed whereas before you bought a computer that was 20 times faster it was 20 times faster and you were like oh my gosh i can't believe it and now you're like Hey, the other computer was an i7 with 8 gigs of RAM, and this is an i50 with 4 petabytes, and yet it still takes Windows 10 five minutes to load. So, yay progress. I I think there's a social, cultural thing with that. I mean, to your point, Mark, it's uh, it's the old sales tactic. You sell features, not benefits. Sorry, other way around. No, you, you sell benefits, yeah. not features, right? You sell the end result. So if Google Lens means a better viewing experience, who cares about megapixels, number of camera lenses and all that stuff, right? Because you, you want the end result. Um, that's sales. But, but the, the thing that seems to me at this point in time, in 2018, in, is a social conscience in, in the Western world, particularly in the U.S., is almost like a, a, a step back from um, technology and progression and, and that sort of thing that maybe we went too far too quickly uh, and we, we, we need to get grounded again and that certainly, you know, with the current administration, we certainly focus more about what is a better at-home experience um, what can we do to shore up local business and jobs and all that sort of thing? That seems to be the, the cultural focus right now, not how do we punt further into the future. And probably to some degree that might not be such a bad idea because I think we punted so far into the future that there are there are so many risks associated with that. I, I heard an interview with uh, Vitalik Buterin, the guy who invented Ethereum, who is basically reminding every single developer out there who was always getting giddy about how good this thing was going to be and all these people, you know, saying its price is going to go to the moon and talking about smart contracts and the way it's going to change society. And he said to everybody, he said, look, stop. Nobody yet has produced the killer app for Ethereum. Nobody has produced a smart contract that people use, like really use. And he's right. We, we, we invested 
all of this money and all of this future into this belief system that this was going to change the world, and they built it. So, you know, the technology people did their job. They, they, they built it. But it's not been used for anything yet. It's like building a massive highway, but there's no cars on it. And so why did we build the massive highway? And at some point, you do have to sort of go, maybe we should step back a little bit and regroup here. But who's going to do that? I mean, there's no money in not inventing. <laughs> who's going to do that? Uh, I don't know. My, my gut feeling right now is that from a general kind of political slash social cultural thing, there's a movement towards not being so progressive. And it might be just, you know, nature of the way politics works. But there's more people right now saying, don't buy, you know, stuff from overseas. We need to build it here. And But they're not talking about how we invent the next generation of robots or how we invent the next generation of biotechnology. Cause that stuff isn't even on the table. It's not in the, in the conversation. It's just bring the jobs back, but no one talks about how, <laughs> um, but I think it's just a, it's just a, a period on the end of a sentence right now, but not the end of the conversation. Okay. I have a, I have a question for you, Mark, to bring this whole conversation back around and put it in a totally different direction. Are we reaping the benefits of having outsourced everything? And maybe it's not that there's nothing new. Maybe it's the new stuff isn't debuted in America. Maybe if we go to Japan and look at their version of CES, we would be like, oh my gosh, I can't, what is, I've never seen that. You know, it may be in China, maybe in India, where we sent all of our development talent because it, we could get them to work for cheaper there. That's where everybody's, you know, they do their job you know, eight to five or what, or maybe, you know, maybe it's midnight to eight to, you know, take the fat weak Americans money. And then in their basement and in their garage, then they're the ones who are inventing things. And we just don't know about it yet because we have lost the capacity as a culture to invent because we don't invent anymore. It's cheaper to get someone else to do it for us. And, uh, you know, we'll outsource all that and then we'll just, you know, live off of the juice and pretty soon the juice is going to dry up and that tree is going to die because we quit planting the seeds here and let somebody else have them. So if I wanted to go another direction and how would that sound? I recognize the incendiary device you're attempting to lob into this conversation, but I reject it. Um, th there are several things wrong with what, what you just said. Uh, for one, we are a global society. Uh, anything that was happening in Japan or China or India, we would know about for a couple of reasons. One, uh, you, you can't keep things like that quiet. And two, everybody wants America's money. You know, if they had a product to, to sell, if they had an invention that was going to change the world, they would be telling us about it because we're the ones who make the money. And two, I reject your notion that we don't invent. We don't manufacture, but we still invent. Most of the, the, the greatest inventions of the last 15 or 20 years have been American inventions. Not all of them, but most of them. Um, Americans invent, we just don't make. There's a difference. We don't produce. So I, I reject both of those lines of thinking. Uh, in that if there was some magic happening in, in India that could change the world, they wouldn't tell us about it. We wouldn't know because we're too wrapped up in our own uh, drama. Uh, they, they, would, they would find a way to make us know um, because they, we're the only people who could pay to make a, a world-changing invention 
um, profitable. Other country, you know, I mean, Europe, I'm going to say, I'm going to say the West, not just U.S., but the Western world is the economic engine of the globe. Uh, and so while we don't make stuff, we pay for everything. And then secondly, I, I just, I don't, I reject the notion that Americans don't invent. But you know, it's interesting. I, I, I'll put my immigrant hat, hat on right now. Um, one thing that America does so much better than anywhere else is it has a, a culture, a willingness, an embrace of being a risk taker and being able to create something and think out of the box. And, you know, those sorts of things are inherent in geekdom to some degree. It's inherent in our ability to invent technologies. And we've got a long history of that. Those same uh, cultural, natural instincts are not necessarily shared by a lot of the other countries in the world, um, China, uh, India, to some degree. They're, they're not as, and I don't want to put any, anyone down in those regions because this isn't attempting that at all. Their culture is different. They're not a creative, free-thinking, inventive society in which that is an embraced value. That's um, much more of a conformity and compliance and, and follow the lower risk kind of approach. And that's okay too, because that works too. But it, it's not Americanism and its invention and its creativity is, it's not unique, but it's unusually vibrant where you will get it in France and you'll get it in Germany and you'll get it in Britain and you'll get it in Australia, but you won't get it like this, right? It's hardcore. If you do anything at the educational level, at the cultural level, and you stifle or you try to turn people away from continuing to embrace risk takers, continuing to embrace progressiveness, continuing to embrace invention, and to also not uh, to be willing to uh, accept failure as being part of the process of invention. If you do anything in which those qualities are undermined or they're negatively uh, you know, talked about in the media or in politics or in anywhere at all, you kill the thing that makes the United States uniquely different and represents the reason for its vast wealth. Because it was the Wright brothers falling over all the time that eventually led to the aeroplane. And it was Henry Ford driving some weird-looking contraption into a tree that eventually created an automobile. And it was Elon Musk telling the world he can fly a spaceship that can land back on the world. But he did it here, right here in the States. And it's those things that are uniquely American and not because the people who did it were American, but because we have an environment right here that enables that to happen. It's why I'm here. It's why these things get invented. And so if, if we think that these things are happening in other parts of the world, it is because they've created that culture exactly like we've got. But I can tell you from traveling and going to other places that 
I don't, I don't see that culture mimicked because I don't know how you duplicate it. You can, you can train somebody how to be a great C++ developer and then let them go back to Bangalore or go back to, you know, Shanghai or whatever and practice in their own region and become great C++ developers there. But when it comes to what am I going to write, you have to have a culture of inventiveness, which is something that just happens right here in the good old USA. There's nothing so patriotic as an immigrant. Well, you know, I, I'm just looking at it from a thousand foot view right. and, you know, that's what I see. Seth, your comments? No, it was, that was a good speech. I tried to, <laughs> I tried to contribute to the conversation and I, I just got miles wound up. So. <laughs> All right. Um, I, we seem to have run out of gas. Does anybody else have anything else to say about boring technology <laughs> not not elon musk's boring technology right but <laughs> technology that is not exciting no all right well then i guess there's nothing left to say but seth what happened this week in history all right mark well i found this out in my uh, perusal of the web but i wanted to let everyone know that on october the 18th 1958 Tennis for Two was shown off as the first known electronic game to use a graphical display. So one of the things that set this apart is it was developed as a game and not for teaching or anything like that. But Tennis for Two debuted this week in history in 1958. And this is one of those things to where technology had to catch up with the concept, you know, because it was 20 years almost before, uh, people put asteroids in a bar and the bartender called them up and said, Hey, your machine's broken. And they found out it wasn't broke. It was just stuffed so full of quarters. And then later in the seventies, the world caught Pac-Man fever. And then, you know, now everybody plays Fortnite, and, you know, movie theaters are going desolate and malls are shutting down because master chief is trying to save us from the covenant. So it all happened <laughs> this week in history, Mark. And now back to you. So tennis for two, I'm assuming, would be the grandfather of pong. Uh, it uses it used an oscilloscope, <laughs> so in much you know if you go into so sure yeah that sounds good. <laughs> well, uh, before pong came before space invaders and asteroids and that, and that sort of thing, but uh, let's see, I, I'm looking a uh, quick Google search. The pong uh, was the first documented ping pong game a uh, video ping pong game in 1969 so 11 years later um the first what we know as a video game appeared uh, that's what which one of you said the uh, 10 year long overnight success story <laughs> this is exactly yeah. <laughs> what this is uh 1958 the 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 concept was proved 1969 it became a thing 1972 Atari did their thing with it, and and that's what changed the world, right? So, um, there's something out there right now that is just sitting in somebody's garage that nobody recognizes the value of yet, and maybe the value is just entertaining drunks in a bar. That's okay. Where would what what other technology exists today because of the video arcade? I'm certain that um, you know there are certain microcontrollers and display technologies. You know, that would did, would we have 4K displays today if there wasn't money to be made in better video games in 1983? Good question. The gamification. 
You know, people will spend lots of money on productivity. They'll spend even more money on entertainment. No, that's true. Yeah, that's interesting, Seth. I, I appreciate your uh, trolling the uh, the internet archives for this sort of stuff because uh, I find these things super interesting. Useless facts of informational trivia. I mean, that's like my wheelhouse. That's what I. That's what interests me. <laughs> yeah, so, somebody. I don't, I don't even remember the contact. It happens to me all the time, right? But somebody threw out something, uh, a question that, you know, it was just one of the casual, I wonder what, and I knew the exact answer. And and the, the, I was in a group of people, and they all turned to me and stared at me, and I'm like, useless information is my ex, uh, my forte. Useful information, not so much. Um, right. So, yeah, it's the, it's, it's the curse we bear, Seth. I, I, I'm with, right there with you. Uh, well, however, you know, I've never being, taken the time to memorize the phone book like you did. Well, you know, being a geek in a small town with no computer, I had to, you know, take what I could find, and there wasn't much to find out in the country. So, all right. So, what do you have to to entertain and um, amuse me today, Seth? Okay, this is a website I stumbled across, and it's kind of cool. So, uh, puzzleprime.com slash casual dash puzzles. Um, you can go here and there's just a whole bunch of mazes on the thing. And the mazes are art that you can kind of navigate through. And, you know, there's just, I thought they were really cool. You can just go in there and try to find your way out. Like there's a hand maze. There's mazes that look like paintings. There's one that looks like an eyeball, cityscape, stuff like that. Just go there and, you know, and if you want to like, you know, make your child sit down, make them finish this maze or something, you know, print it out and good luck. So mazes for your casual time. And this is one of those things that you could maybe print out or something and just to entertain people offline. And I don't know if entertain is the right word, but I like mazes occasionally. So, uh, so these are not digital things. They're there well, to you, be put to interact, be interacted with in the physical world. What is that? I mean, you, you you don't have to. It's just, you know, I'm just saying that's an option. So you yeah. could do it. It's just it's kind of hard unless, you know, you have like a stylus or something that you could kind of go through and overlay, you know, maybe save it as paint and then try to draw. And if you, you know, I don't know, just or maybe not paint Google or GIMP because who wants to pay $8,000 a month for Photoshop <laughs> online? Um but, you know, some way to track your progress and, you know, oh, whoops, that was the wrong way. How far back do I have to go to find the thing? Like the block maze one, I just think looks really cool. It's like a 3D. It's a it's kind of drawn to mimic a 3D thing. And you've got to kind of, you know, how do you go around in it to find your way out? So I thought it was pretty cool. Wow, this I'm looking at the dragon one. That thing is intricate. Yeah, that's why I say it might work better to print them out. Or, you know, if you've got a 4K TV sitting around and you want to get finger smudges all over it, you know, put it up there and have your kids try to find their way through it, maybe. All right. That's... I, Sorry. I don't know what to say about that. It's interesting. It's, it's yeah, interesting. It's, it's interesting. It's it's not funny. So, you know, and <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I, I've kind of developed this segment has being something funny or stupid kind of thing. And it's, it's not your backyard amusement park or your drive a tank. I mean, right. uh, th those are definitely the pinnacle yeah. of the dev slash random. 
Yeah, maybe I maybe I already developed like a best of and bring back random midget or something like that. So. Well, you know, we're 341 episodes in. Nobody would know. You could actually just start cycling right back through. <laughs> I wouldn't notice. The listeners wouldn't notice. <laughs> yeah, I thought try about that. Tr- so. Try new discoveries in bacon. Mm, bacon. <laughs> it's bacon cheesecake, man. That's. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a thing, and it's well worth it. You realize I've been podcasting, and, and you, Seth, almost as long, uh, but I've been podcasting for 10 years now. You'd, wow. you'd think I'd be better at it by now. Um, <laughs> all right, this is the part of the show where I tell you how you can feed back to us. What's on your mind? What do you think about the discussions we've had? You can go to uh, elementop.com, click the Contact Us button at the top of the page, answer the world's hardest CAPTCHA, um, and <laughs> I just got distracted by my own self bouncing on my ball as I talked. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> fill out the form there, uh, and that will come in, into my inbox with a priority attached to it so that I know this is important. This is a listener feeding back, and I appreciate that. Um, you can also call, uh, call 559-IAM-OP and leave us a voicemail. Uh, I'm pretty sure that still works. Nobody's done it in a long time. Maybe it's been dead. Maybe people have been doing it, and it just doesn't work anymore, and I don't notice. But I don't think that's the case. Or you can send an e- email to geekrant at elementopi.com. Um, all those are ways that you can contact us. Um, we look forward to hearing what you have to say, truly, honestly. And I'm, 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 I'm sorry that I fell down on my job, but somebody recently uh, made a much larger than normal donation uh, via PayPal. And I want to give you thanks, but I didn't write down your name. And I don't have my email up in front of me. And the way my computer's running today would take about a, a minute and a half to load it. So you know who you are, and thank you. And to the rest of you, shame on you for not being so gentle. No. Um, <laughs> I, I do appreciate any show of support, uh, be that financial or uh, by a, a, an email or any other way. Honestly, the best thing you could do uh, is tell other people about us. If you like what we do, if you like the show, if it's entertaining to you, you have friends who are like you, probably. And so if you like it and you have friends who are like you, they would probably like it. And, and I guarantee that not everybody listening to the show, if you look around, not everybody around you is a subscribe, subscriber to the show. Go, go you therefore and make disciples of the Opie. Tell people about us. Show them what a podcast uh, 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 app is if you have to. Uh, open the world of podcasting to people. If you don't like what we do, well, you're probably not listening to this point anyway. So anyway, um, <laughs> 10 years we've been doing this. I think I think the actual 10th anniversary was in April. I'd have to go back and look. But it's been, April, April's when you launched Tightwad. Yes, and I'm pretty sure it was April 1st, I think. Actually, it was March. It was uh, We did an episode zero, like any good geek show would do. Uh, anyway, I, I've just been... I was thinking about that this week, and I, I'm just, you know, again, I'm going to be super honest like I, I, like I like to be. I have reached that point again where I'm just completely burned out with with work and with family and with doing the show. You know, at one point in time, I was doing eight shows a week, um, and now I'm doing one show a week, two really uh, on the other network, Podnuts. Uh, I do a show, um, and and I, it's just it's just wearing on me. It's just burning me out. And I was thinking about that in in that context, and and I realized ten years. I've been doing this a decade. There aren't many things that I've stuck with for a decade many hobbies you know uh most of us don't we we go through phases of things i've been doing this for 10 years 
Um, and you know, maybe that's why I'm a little tired of it. Uh, I'm sure we'll take some time off, uh, probably in December. Uh, we've, we've already got some, some stuff planned and I'm sure I'll come back in the new year rejuvenated and renewed. Uh, but you know, the the reason I was unprepared for this show and the reason that I may sound a little distracted is I'm just, I'm just really tired. I'm tired of this. I like it, but, but there are a lot of things that you can like and still be tired of, you know, you eat pizza every night for a month. You can still like pizza. You just get tired of it. What? It happens. It does. I like pizza. <laughs> so anyway, just a just a little um, honesty from you to me. Uh, we're family. I mean, from me to you, not from you to me. I, I, honesty from you to me is is the feedback part. Uh, but uh, we're family here, and uh, so I, I just wanted to let you know what's going on and and to prepare you for the crap shows that we're going to have over the next few weeks while I'm dealing <laughs> with just the fact that I don't want to put any effort into this. Uh, but anyway, so there's that. Thanks for listening. Uh, I think this was a good discussion. It was fun for me. I always enjoy doing it when I sit down. I am, you know, these guys are, are, are two of my good friends. Uh, Miles, I've never shared the same oxygen with him, but I consider him a good friend. I need um, to come to Atlanta. We need to have yeah. a beer or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'll put me down for an or something. Absolutely. Okay. Um, uh, it, it's amazing what, you know, this technology that we take for granted, the, the things that we consider not sexy anymore the fact that we're in, we're we're represented three different time zones right now and having a real time conversation, and Jenda, who I'm pretty sure is on another continent, is joining us, uh, hearing us in in not quite real time but close to it, um, and we just consider that meh, it's boring. Nobody gets excited about that anymore. That's kind of uh, that's both interesting and sad at the same time. That such amazing things has has just become blasé, and we're looking for the next great thing, and we don't realize how great we actually have it. Anyway, yep. mini sermon over. Thanks everybody for listening. Miles, Seth, thanks for hanging out with us. That's it for this episode of the Geek Air, Geek Rant. And remember, pay for what you like.